Broadcasting live from Skull Island, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother. I'm one of your other hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Ricardo, what up? Roar, I'm, I'm a kaiju. Kaiju on PBS was canceled. The hey! Kaiju. <laughs> oh! Terrible, <laughs> terrible. Okay. Okay. This is so, a great start. Today we are prepping in a couple weeks for... Godzilla vs. Kong, we are doing two MonsterVerse films, Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of the Monsters. But up first, we're going to get into some news. Uh, Before we get into more news, just a quick R.I.P. to my man, Cepelin, Latin American icon. You guys probably don't know who this is. He's a a clown man from uh, Latin America. Very big. Any child who's had a birthday knows this guy because it's always played as soon as they wake up in the morning. Damn, I'm sure it'll be a standing tradition from now on still. It'll be a little more melancholy, but I'm sure it'll it'll just keep going. Some more mainstream announcement entertainment news. First up, the live-action Powerpuff Girls have been cast. We've got Chloe Bennett from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Blossom the Disney Channel star Dove Cameron as Bubbles, and Pops singer Yana Peralt as Buttercup. I still don't know how to feel I, about this, man. I, I just the like live-action thing in general? Yeah, I don't want the the Riverdaleification of the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It could be... It could go either way, really. I guess I just want to see how they're going to go with the costumes, I guess. Like, I don't know how the... Powerpuff Girl costumes are going to look on, like, actual people since the original <laughs> cartoon is so, like, they're all weirdly shaped. There's no, like, one-to-one that you could imagine, really. or well, that I can imagine, really, so. I'll give them this. I looked at the actresses, and they didn't have their names on the announcements when I saw it on, like, Twitter scrolling through. One look, and I knew exactly who everyone was going to be, so I'll give them mm-hmm. that. Up next, we've got Elizabeth Banks is going to direct cocaine bear produced by phil lord and chris miller based on the true story of a bear that consumed a tremendous amount of cocaine and then went on a rampage hell yeah man i can't (laughs) the weirdest headline ever but i'm i'm very interested sold i don't want to hear anything else i don't (laughs) care i'm gonna be there is it gonna be like from the bear's perspective or is it gonna be that's all we've got that's what we know they have said it's a thriller so there is that I'll be curious to see what happens. Speaking of speaking of thrillers, though, we've got the Amazon anthology series Them, which had a, its new trailer, and it looks uh it looks pretty freaky. I won't lie to you guys, it looks pretty freaky. And it has no relation to the Jordan Peele movie Us, which was a surprise to me. Despite yeah, I was really <laughs> expecting a Jordan Peele producer credits pop up. Did not see that. Even though it's got, like, the weird plucky string music from Us, and it's got some of the cast members from Us, and it's got the same font as Us, and it's just like... I swear to God, I thought I saw a split second of somebody getting stabbed with scissors, but maybe that was just my mind being oh, no, like, oh yeah, right, this is Seamus, a sequel. I think you're right. I, it looks good, I mean, I'll give it that, but it's gonna really, like, itch my brain that it's, like, not connected, I'm sure. It's pretty light on any actual plot details. It looks like we've got a black family in a predominantly white neighborhood, like 50s suburbia imagery going on. So, but something is definitely... only end well. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, right? (laughs) We've got a creepy blackface guy singing in a corner. I don't care about that. That was pretty upsetting no matter how you look at it. I'm going to be seeing that in my nightmares. The weird spirit of racism hanging out in the corner. It's the Jim Crow blackface-looking guy. I'm intrigued by this series. I'll probably check it out. I, I know I get the reputation on this show for being the, the resident wimp <laughs> when it comes to horror stuff. But I think, I mean, this looks really good. It looks kind of like a response to me a little bit to... Obviously, it's got influence from Jordan Peele, I would say. But also, it looks a little bit like uh, Lovecraft Country on HBO. Oh, I totally, yeah, that. I see that. And speaking of HBO, they have a new audience initiative for Latina viewers. HBO Max, Palante, is it Palante? Yeah, Palante, uh, 
Yeah, Palante, Palante. I actually haven't read about this too much. I saw some headlines. Is this going to be like, is there going to be a separate section that says, that is under this umbrella? Is it going to be like new content that they're creating under it? Is it all of the above? It was a little confusing. I still don't fully get what it is. But, you know, they've rebranded all of their socials to this now. And from what I've read it, I, I hope this is what it is and also what it comes across as. It's kind of also like a new banner for, like, new content that they want to make will be under this. Both, like, um, fully American and also have Latin influences. Because for a while, HBO Latino was just, here's a bunch of, you know, the foreign category, everything made over there. But yeah. this gives me the vibe that it's going to be, like, it's a new initiative for American viewers. So it's going to have influences from, like, both American and Latin culture. I'm excited. Maybe it'll turn into something cool. Well, it officially launches on the 25th, and yeah, it looks interesting. It, lo it looks like they're associating a lot of things that I'm already super interested in under this kind of umbrella, including the In the Heights movie. So yeah, I'll be very interested to see where they take this and get a little bit more clarity on the branding. Co-host Bird. What's uh, your bird's name, Ricardo? Real quick. No, what now? Your bird. Oh, which one? The one that's squawking. <laughs> It could be either one, man. I don't know which one's making that noise. They're probably just excited about this Duckburg Life, the scripted DuckTales podcast that'll be premiering after the finale. You should see my face right now, Garrett. That just that transition just blew me away. <laughs> 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 oh, that was great. Oh my god. Scripted DuckTales podcast. That's wild. I, I want more scripted podcasts. I feel like this would be a cool... It'll be a cool companion to the to the finale that is... I mean, coming up soon, right? That's not that As of off. this recording, it'll be like two days. So out there, audience, if you're listening to this on a Sunday, it's tomorrow and it's going to be run 24 hours on TV. I'm excited that DuckTales is able to continue in some capacity because, I mean... It's a solid show that is unfortunately being cut short. It's too soon, Garrett. Why? There was so much more they could have done. I think we'll see DuckTales return in some capacity. I don't know if it'll be a DuckTales series, but I think we'll see those characters again on whether it's a Darkwing Duck show or Tailspin or Goof Troop or something. I think we're, we're going to see something come back. But in other animation news, we got a real story trailer looking at Infinity Train Book 4, the final season, which looks super disconnected from the rest of the series. If we didn't get these characters as like a backdoor pilot last season. And also, is it maybe set earlier because we've got the conductor back? Yeah, yeah I... I've been seeing a lot of theories like that. Maybe this one is set in like the 80s or something. Well, they can't give it all away in the trailer, boys. Come on now. Don't get too discouraged. I'm sure well, it's I'm still be... excited. And I... it is an anthology, so that's kind of part of the territory. But, you know, still. I guess I don't necessarily mind if it's a little more disconnected, considering that it's the finale. And if they want to do something, I don't know, kind of bigger for the confirmed last season they'll ever do if they gotta just like kind of cut a few ties if they've got a grander plan I'm, I'm hoping they can pull it off is hbo canceling it or are they deciding to end it no it's canceled they want to do more they just weren't picked up to do more oh what and now I, it's been oh. so long it's been so long that everyone's gone off and gotten new jobs because you know production had ended and there was no word about if we're getting picked up so it's officially a no well now my feelings are a little changed so yeah, well, I'll be interested to see what happens here, but these people seem to have a deep enough connection to this project that, I, again, kind of like DuckTales, I wouldn't be surprised to see it continue on in some other capacity. And then our last bit of news is something that kind of follows up thematically with our last couple shows, is a real-life McDowell's from Coming to America is popping up in New Jersey. Let's go. Road trip, boys. Dude, I want a McFlurby so badly. <laughs> That's it's so funny that it's like it's like a pop up. I assume That's not going to be there for long, right? Are they going all the way? Are they serving to menu accurate stuff? No sesame yes. seed buns, toppings they on are. the bottom. <laughs> Co correct. They are literally movie accurate menu stuff. That's the best. Wonderful. I, 
I cannot wait to... I, I need to see pictures of that seedless bun, please. But yeah, that wraps us up for news. Time to move on to our two-part main segment, starting with Kong Skull Island. A banging Vietnam War soundtrack in this one. Like, yeah. so they, they hit all the classics to be like, ooh, I'm there, I'm in... They're in the trees, <laughs> man, I can feel them. We're here, we're doing this. So you guys had not seen this movie. Nope. I know I've been hyping it up a lot, so I'm very curious, you know, initial thoughts before we get into spoilers, like... What do you think? What do you think of Kong Skull Island? It is my favorite out of the monster movies, just because it feels like it's having the most fun. I like yeah. it. I like this movie. I, it's, a, it's a blast. It seems like in most of, if not all of these monster movies that I've seen from this like more modern Warner Brothers franchise. Warner Brothers, right? Yep. I'm constantly, I find myself rooting for the monster. Like, I do not care about the humans for the most part. Like... I'm there for the big destruction, and often I'm, like, sympathizing with the the monsters. And I mean, like, that's a big part of a lot of it, too. But there's so much wild stuff that happened in this the Skull Island that it... I don't know, I was flip-flopping all over the place. I loved it. It was, it was very, very cool, and a lot more, like, skin-crawly than I, I had anticipated. Also, I mean, like, speaking to your point, Seamus, about rooting for the human characters versus rooting for the monster... I think that this is also one of the better MonsterVerse films at both it's self-aware about the fact that you don't really care about the human characters, so it just makes them archetypes, which is fine by me. But in addition to that, I think it genuinely is the one that best marries the plot that's going on with the human characters and ties it to what's going on with the monster. Yeah, I feel that. In, in the Godzilla ones, they're is like a very distinct disconnect. It feels like two different yeah. main plots that they're really trying to get you to care about, but you really only care about the one. You you look at the cast list of this movie and you're like, oh wow, this is a stacked cast, but you're in there, you're like, oh my god, this is a stacked cast. Like, they have everybody that you want in there, and that alone is a huge entertainment factor for this movie, and everything else just adds a lot to it. I had a, I had a really good time watching this one. And not everyone makes it, but that's for spoilers. Ooh, yes. So, I guess that's our that's our official spoiler warning. So, we'll talk. We've got a very different setting for a Kong movie, a very different plot for a Kong movie, which is that Monarch, the one of those really long shield acronyms that they yeah. just need to make work. It's the because... monster organization. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they are. Yep, we've got John Goodman and Dr. Houston Brooks, who is crackpots convinced that there is a hollow earth where these ancient mythic creatures have been able to survive for millennia and skull island is a place that they want to go to where they think so many of these creatures are living and so they they get approval from a wonderful little richard jenkins cameo <laughs> yeah and they, they've got their crack team, which is a tracker, played by Tom Hiddleston, a photographer, played by Brie Larson, a hybrid military escort and, like, land surveying company with Sam Jackson, Toby Kebble, uh, Mark Evan Jackson, Pillboy. Pillboy and the Judge. Whatever that guy's name is. Mark Evan Jackson. That's the name I was going for. Oh, there's the Asian monster hunter lady. Oh, yes, uh, Tian Jing, who is a big Chinese movie star, and often, I think she, more than most other people, often you see in these movies that they're trying to get to do well in China, they put Chinese movie stars as kind of bit roles in these American-produced films, and I think she is in more of them than most people. Like, she did The Great Wall... She did Pacific Rim, she did oh, this, wow. where it's just, like, this kind of... It, I mean, it is, to a certain extent, tokenism of, like, we've got our token Chinese movie star in this American movie. Yeah, just to make... just It's insurance so they can get their money back, I guess. But they, she doesn't really do much in this movie, if I'm not mistaken. She's just kind of part of the team. There was a lot of interesting choices they made as far as, like, I don't know, how they kept it feeling as like the classic 
Kong story while still keeping it in this very specific and time period they're in. But they, I, I didn't even think they were going to do like the tribe at one point. I thought they were going to skip over that. And they take a, a good minute to introduce the dinosaur thing. What are they called again? The skull crawlers. The skull yeah. crawlers. Oh yeah, God, I that gave me a laugh too. John C. Riley's pilot character, whose name I'm also now forgetting. I I didn't really learn it. I don't yeah. think he's just kind of John. C. You wanna you wanna jump into John C. Riley real quick? Yeah, let's let's talk about the best part of this movie. And this movie I think would be pretty banger even without John C. Riley. But this movie opens with a really rad little World War II vignette of a Japanese pilot and an American pilot crash landing on Skull Island and coming face to face with Kong. And then when we get to our 70s Vietnam era main story, we meet back up with the American pilot John C. Riley, who's been on the island living with the Iwi tribe this whole time. And he's just out of his mind. He's spectacular. He really is the heart of this movie. Yeah, I truly... I love him so much. Yeah, I cared about him getting off the island more than anybody else in the entire film, truly. Nobody else deserved it more, and I think nobody else was as <laughs> likable as he was, even as, like, a a crazy old <laughs> World War II, stuck-in-the-past, yeah. tribal, ass- assimilated crazy man. I mean, this movie looks at its young, hot leads, and it says, no, John C. Ryan. <laughs> yes. I... I respect it so much for that. You guys didn't sympathize with Samuel Jackson's insane Moby Dick crusade against Kong? <laughs> that made, oh, I mean, he's so angry he's, as in that role of just like, I don't know, Apocalypse Now-esque insanity for war, like bloodthirsty suicide mission. I don't know. It, it made me angry a little bit. I mean, I think it's it's wonderful. I think... The fact that these archetypes play so well in this setting is really enjoyable because, I mean, it's not about character development. It's not about, I mean, even though it has all of these allegories to the Vietnam War, it's not even really about that. It's just about monkey smash, <laughs> audience clap. Like, Yeah, pretty much. They're just do- they're doing just enough to keep you engaged with these human characters. I Yeah, I'm with you because there is a certain point where you're just with them. And while I was a little like, there was a Kong in this movie, right? <laughs> but I was still rolling with them just because, you know, John C. Riley is great and Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson are there. But, you know, they're fine. That's great casting because both of them are super charming and watchable. And that's about it. it it's hard because I'm not going to say it's a badly written movie because I think it's a, it makes a lot of really smart writing choices. But a lot of the dialogue is cringeworthy. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Um, like when Mark Evan Jackson's like, you guys are not scientists. <laughs> Who that, is Mark doesn't... Evan Jackson's agent? Because that man is in everything I watch now. <laughs> I think I think all the Vietnam boys are pretty good, too. I mean, obviously, we're excited to see Pillboy, but we've got the kid that looks like Matthew Modine. Yeah, that guy. We've got Toby Kevill who is the most I'm-just-here-to-die character <laughs> ever. Billy's here. Yeah, I I really like the Dear Billy through line. I think that's really fun. That Toby Kevill is writing this letter to his son, and that all of the soldiers, every time they encounter something weird, say Dear Billy. <laughs> like, today I saw a giant lizard or whatever, you know. Right. I did feel like that, like, it was very, like, somber. Like, he left his journal, like, the letters for his kid out where he died, but, like... It felt kind of abrupt. Like, that guy, like, got split up, and then he had his own little scene for, like, 20 minutes, and then he just kind of got taken out. Is he just, like, a sacrifice to show that monsters are bad, or what? I think that the role of that character is really... They give you the little Dear Billy thing to make you care even a little bit about him, but really, he is a plot mechanic to get Sam Jackson, like, a goal. Oh, yeah, I guess, because that is who they go after. To be like, no man left behind, but he, like, died an hour earlier in the movie that that excuse is no more we're still going though (laughs) yeah god yeah so i mean all the characters are working i love all of john c Riley's. i you look better than a hot dog and a cold beer on opening day at wrigley field oh my god i i like felt that when i mean by the end I, i know i'm jumping ahead a little bit when he gets that hot dog and that cold beer he like goes back to his family that's been waiting for him for like 50 years it really 
Oh, God. Shed a tear for that man and his hot dog. <laughs> it's wonderful. And also, they have all this really, like, tongue-in-cheek joking about the Cubs winning the World Series and having not won the World <laughs> yeah, Series yeah. In, the, in the 20 years he's been stranded. I love all the John C. Riley's just questions about the world. It's like, what's going on out there? Oh, yeah, what happened to the war? Who won? Did we win the oh, war? Yeah, I guess he wouldn't know. I mean, not to go too far into it, I would have loved... I, and this movie would have been, like, 10 hours long... But I wanted I wanted to see more of like him and that zero plane pilot like becoming best friends. Like oh, he's so right. they visit Don't his you... grave and he like takes his katana as like a sign of honor. They loved oh, each other. So good. Oh. Gunpei. Yeah, I would I would have watched more flashbacks with them, but I guess that's for uh that's for a spin off. They promised series. they'd never leave each other behind, Seamus. He took the sword. <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad. I love the uh the bit where he asks what they're what the man on the moon is eating. Oh yeah. Oh, did you just leave him up there? Was this question? <laughs> oh, it's oh, so good. But I feel I'll like a you. lot of this was just John C. Riley ad libbing. I hope so. Oh, it was He's so funny. I had the distinct privilege of seeing this film on on seventy Ooh. at the music box, and the director was there, and he was talking about how John C. Riley basically recrafted that character and he was not originally supposed to be that big of a role and they made him a bigger and bigger role because john c Riley did such a good job crafting him oh man i i fully believe that he could have just been some gimmicky throwaway character stow or a uh, castaway guy but like when when they're going through like the uh bone fields of like kong's ancestors and he He's like warning them not to. I was like standing up, like, why is nobody listening to John C. <laughs> Riley's advice? He is the one. Ugh. Also, you know what? I'm laying it down. This is John C. Riley's movie. He is the first <laughs> character we experience. That's true. As soon as it starts. That is true. Everybody else is a periphery side character. It is a love story between John C. Riley and Kong. Is really what it is. Kong is and that the is woman that gets brought up to the Empire State Building. But real quick, um. I know you guys don't know this, but actually King Kong's in this movie. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, John yeah. C. Riley as King Kong, yes. Which I think, for my money, this is the best monster action I have ever seen on film. Because I think often Godzilla action is gets kind of boring and samey because it's just like atomic breath and whatever. But, I mean... Kong ripping all the branches off a tree and breaking it like a bat across the face of a skull crawler. Hell that is what yeah. I pay money Hell for. Hell yeah, like, dude. Yeah, Godzilla can, you know, a lot of the times it is reduced to, like, building goes smash, and there, there goes Tokyo again. It's kind of like the original shoving match. You're right, this has, like, bulky suits. But you're right, this has, like, really cool, thought out action sequences, like the, the chains wrapping around Kong's fist and him using like these propeller projectiles yeah that was awesome do more stuff like that man that was incredible i mean even tom hiddleston wearing a gas mask slicing his way through pterodactyls <laughs> okay let's talk about that post credit scene because i think it's really really effective for being as minimal as it is and i think the whole bit about him talking to the audience is funny Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 where he's turned around. <laughs> but originally, WB, Legendary, whatever, told Jordan Vogt Roberts that they had to have a scene for the post-credits where it was Godzilla coming out of the ocean in the, in the 60s, and it was going to take, like, a quarter of their VFX budget. Well, I was going to say, like, what? That's kind of insane to shoehorn that in and as so, after-credits. And so he pitched them that after-credits, and his justification was, in the 2014 Godzilla they say that they've almost never seen Godzilla before, so it wouldn't make sense to have him come out of the ocean in that post credit scene. Smart man. Gotcha, one of <laughs> Got him good. Use your own continuity against you. <laughs> and I think, for my money, even ignoring the VFX stuff, this is a way more effective post credit scene than that would have been, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like... Because well, yeah, it gets you jazzed up for all of the monsters, not just Godzilla. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I do have a little bit of an issue with the fact that it gets me really hyped to see more of these characters, and guess what? Oh yeah, there's no old version of any of them in the subsequent movies? Actually, 
There is, Seamus, and you, I do not blame you for missing it, but we'll talk about that when we get to <laughs> oh, King of Monsters. Oh, no. okay, okay. I mean, I really hope they bring some of these back for, like, in some capacity, for Godzilla vs. Kong, because, I mean, I do genuinely enjoy these characters. I mean, John C. Riley, he's not coming back, probably. Oh, sadly. But, but I mean, like, you could get, uh, the theory was, before King of the Monsters came out, that Charles Dance's character was going to be the older version of Tom Hiddleston's character. Okay, I mean, like, that would have been something. Just, that could have worked. I think that could have worked. But, but yeah, we'll get to that when we get to King of the Monsters. But I think for now, do we have final thoughts on on Kong? Uh, I really, I had a fun time with it. It gets me hyped. They mentioned that Kong in this movie is but a wee baby, so he's going to grow real big. I thought the giant spider was really disgusting and made my skin crawl. They put that leg through that guy's mouth. It was real gross. Good good time. Mm-hmm. Fun fun stuff. Great action. I think it's a fun take on the, the Kong story. It's got enough of the same elements, you know, gathering a team to go to Skull Island. But it really delivers more of a action twist to it. I really enjoyed this movie. Check it out. All right, let's move on to Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So now we flip the script a little bit here. Me and Ricardo actually saw this premiered in IMAX when it came out, and this was your first time watching it, right, Garrett? It was. I watched it last night with my parents. Right? That's a fun movie night. It's riveting. So let's get into it. What What were your thoughts? Um, I, I was saying this before the show. I'd seen the 2014 Godzilla. I remembered very little about it, but I think that is a better movie than this movie, but I think this movie's more entertaining. This movie's way too long. A thing that Kong fixed that this movie went back on is... Having way too much focus on the human characters that it's trying to get me to take way too seriously. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Also, you're not wrong. I know I was complaining this movie is too long. It doesn't have a first act, which is a source of a lot of its problems. It literally opens with the inciting incident. Yeah, it's 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 not the best movie I've ever seen, don't get me wrong. I'm 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 here for the monster fights and that's mostly it. You're you're you definitely touched something on their they're trying to sneak that human drama in there, and I think anybody who even cares about getting into a kaiju movie doesn't really want more than, like, 25% of the movie to be, like, really that invested in the characters, which are more than likely going to get just like, killed in a giant explosion towards the end of the movie. Like, a lot of people just die very abruptly in these movies. Well, actually, I do have some umbrage with that, which is we have way too many human characters and not enough of them die is part of my problem with this movie. Yeah, that's true. More of them should have definitely gotten taken. Yeah, man. This is Godzilla King of the Monsters. I want to see some monsters. I don't care about Millicent Robert Brown and her psychotic mom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to... Real quick, we're going to wrap up, then we're going to go into actual spoilers. But there are things I liked about this movie, don't get me wrong. But overall, too long, way too much focus on the human characters. And something that... I know I keep comparing it to Kong, because... That's what we're doing here. And we are going to declare a winner, I think, at the end of this, because if we're doing Godzilla Oh, are we going to call our shots? We got to do gonna make a little sports bet? Yeah. But I, I think something that Kong has up its sleeve is that a lot of the time when we're with the human characters and Kong's not around, we're still fighting other monsters. We're still worried about other smaller threats. That's very true. That's very true. And this movie doesn't really have that. This movie's like, we're with the characters in a control room or we're with Godzilla, and that's pretty much it. I agree. With everything that's been said. But also, when they start coming out of the ground, man, and monsters actually start fighting, I can roll with this movie. Yeah, man. I think that's that's where I fall on it, too, I think. It's just, like, when, when it's the big brawl scenes, I'm truly pretty invested in how that fight is going. It does feel a little bit interrupted by, like, cutting away to Millie Bobby Brown's constant, like, screaming and, like, really hard breathing. Yeah, let's just go ahead and mark it. We're going spoilers. You got Ghidorah. You got Mothra. Who else? Mothra's the best part of this movie, right? Like, everybody's in agreement on that. Mothra, just the elegant but deadly Mothra. I felt like Mothra actually had a personality that the other monsters kind of lacked, including Godzilla, to be honest. And I thought the design was just really cool on Mothra. It's it's definitely a redesign on Mothra. It looks very different than a lot of old school Mothras. But I really like the way it, it looks. Yeah, they all look cool. There's that, like, weird-looking mammoth guy that's walking around on big legs. 
I appreciate that this movie includes kaiju that are not just, like, lizard kaiju and bugs. That it actually has, like, more in line with Kong, some mammal yeah, kaiju Yeah, I'm into as it. Well. There's one that kind of looks like Clovey a little bit, but, like, more bug-like. <laughs> He's there. He's out there. I know that. They're really struggling with these monsters in these monster movies that we're watching, and I kind of... It's great. Like, they, yeah, they can't control them, and they kind of cliffhanger this movie with, like... He's on our side. Oh yeah, for now. Like, uh oh, he's coming for us. Hey, that's Seamus. the reason that what? What's the story? Got the coach from Friday Night Lights. He's real sad dad simulator two K twenty one. And you got Millie Bobby Brown as the daughter living with uh uh the mom whose name I'm forgetting and other roles. Vera Farmiga she... from Conjuring. Of course, the Conjuring is what I know from. Uh, they're a whole little sci- broken scientist family, and there's uh, Mr. Man from Game of Thrones is an eco-terrorist. He's trying to get the Hydra King K. Rule. He's trying to get him out of hiding. And um, <laughs> basically, they're like the terrorists. Is there a whole thing like really to? Or I guess the mom's whole thing is to like let them roam free and like take back the Earth, right? It's kind of Kingsmany actually in a lot of ways. But the I- argument is that it's a forest fire. That will allow humanity to rebuild better and, and it more healthily. And Charles Dance, from like you said, from Game of Thrones, is just kind of along for the ride. I think he does a really good job, despite how, that he has nothing to do. with Oh yeah, movie. he's a great terrorist leader. Like his his cold, icy yeah. stare is very much appreciated. So is she. The mom is a terrorist. She's a horrible person. <laughs> oh. One hundred percent. I'm glad she died. I was. They made her way more of a hero in that moment too. Like she's sacrificing herself for a problem she one hundred percent helped create. She is the mastermind (laughs) behind this whole thing, and they're like, "Oh, isn't it sad that she's dying?" Yeah, not a chance. She like they like nuke Boston in this movie. She caused so many deaths. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I was sad when they killed my girl Sally Hawkins, and that's about it. Sally Hawkins and Ken Watanabe are the only characters from the 2014 Godzilla to reprise in this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's right. Which, I mean, like, the characters in that movie aren't interesting anyway, so sure, that's fine. Both of them get killed, so that's rough. Because Sally Hawkins, they kill unceremoniously almost off Yeah, it's screen. like a quick... She gets, like, yeah, torn apart is... by uh, the king over there. It's, it's, like, very fast. And then we've got Ken Watanabe, who... This is probably my favorite whole thing in the movie, is the weird Jules Verne, hollow earth, undersea, ancient civilization that built this temple to Godzilla, where he goes to recharge after a fight. Rad. That's yeah, so Yeah, I was cool. totally into that. Just, like, <laughs> nuking a volcano in an underwater temple. I liked that sequence. And now I'm going to tell you guys who from Kong was actually in this movie and you missed it because of course you did because they do not do anything with what it. What is it? So, Brooks from Kong, Corey Hawkins' character, John Goodman's colleague, he is actually in this movie. He's not played by Corey Hawkins, but he's in one scene where Mothra is cocooning under the waterfall and he's played by Joe Morton, like Miles Dyson from T2. He's just there for wow. that? Yeah, the guy comes and gets him, he's like, Dr. Brooks, Mothra's hatching! And then, like, he goes out, and he's like, Dr. Ling, Mothra's hatching! And then Mothra hatches. Wow. Um, That's it. They thought that was gonna be, like, the big Easter egg. Everyone was gonna be like, Look! (laughs) There there he is! They did it! They did it! They got a real actor to play him, so I think they must have cut scenes It has to be, because, like, Miles Dyson, I know exactly who that is. I mean, and he's a really good actor, and... I really liked seeing that character again, and I was excited that they brought him, you know. I, I wish it maybe was a little more obvious, and I would have been like, oh, damn, that's cool. But uh, They do also name drop him, Bradley Whitford's character, who is very clearly just supposed to be Rick from Rick and Morty, which was weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, name drops him at the beginning and says, Dr. Brooks was right about the Hollow Earth theory, because in Kong, Brooks' whole thing is that he wrote like, the leading academic paper about the Hollow Right, he has that whole story about how that's why John Goodman, like, came to him to be a partner or whatever, right? Yeah. But I don't understand why... There's, again, there's too many human characters in this movie. Why didn't they just make Bradley Whitford's character Brooks? Because they wanted that funny, funny humor time jokes. They could have given them to anybody. There's too many characters and none of them... Thomas Middleditch survives (laughs) this movie. That's a cross. (laughs) 
Thomas Middleton should have been ripped apart by Rodan. I honestly think you're right. I love I love Tommy Mids. Like I'm a big fan, and I actually spied that he was a he was a voice on the radio in Skull Island. Actually, he probably was like on set, and they had him do a little blurb for Skull Island. But I like, there's no way he's coming back for (laughs) Godzilla vs Kong. They just kind of wasted him away as like semi-comic relief, kinda? I really thought that he was gonna die opening the jammed door. I thought he was gonna be like, I'll open the jammed door and sacrifice myself so all the children on the helicopter can live, but nope. Charles Dance, he's got one of King Ghidorah's severed heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is it gonna be like Mecha Ghidorah? Is it gonna be he's gonna try to regenerate I straight up did not even think about Mecha anything, so I'm in for that, for sure. Like, yeah, he'll just attach it to a robo-body with two robot heads, and it'll be like Cyborg Ghidorah. That's what my money's on. So, real quick, let looking ahead to Godzilla vs. Kong, theoretically, it's probably gonna be that they fight for a while until they unite against a bigger threat. Like Batman do. Superman style. So who is that big threat? Is it gonna, like, is it gonna be a Mecha Godzilla? Is it gonna be a, a, a Ghidorah thing? Well, I want to know what's going to happen with that, so I'm just I'm just throwing that out there in, ter- in the context of this mm. post credit scene slash Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, I don't know, Ricardo. What do you think about that? Well, that is the prevailing theory. I've seen a lot of different videos going around. They look through the trailers. They oh, there's this big schematic in the background for some sort of giant. Maybe that's just like Godzilla's biology chart or whatever, or maybe. It's the blueprints to a Mecha Godzilla. That could be dope. I'm into that. <laughs> Ancient prophecy of a super futuristic robot monster. Do we have anything else to say about King of the Monsters? Um, It's a perfect rental in that you can fast forward through all the stuff you don't care about and just watch the monster fights on HBO Max. Yeah, it's a stepping stone to the big monster showdown we want, and I'm hoping that they keep evolving because like the 2014 godzilla was too much people this godzilla was a little better with more monster fights i'm hoping godzilla v kong is just mostly monster fights and king kong is the only like emotional human-esque stuff we see him being real sad he's hurt okay so now it's time gentlemen we each got a call one will fall what's gonna happen hmm well, I think we kind of touched on it, like, the most likely scenarios they're going to end up teaming up, which I personally would not like. I was hoping that Batman was going to, like, put Superman's head on a stake at the end of that movie, and I was very sad that it didn't happen. And I know they want me to be going for Kong, but I gotta go with the heel in this fight. I want Godzilla to just blast that ape <laughs> into dust with his atomic breath. Kong has humanity. Godzilla really doesn't. Godzilla's like this apathetic overlord, and Kong is like genuinely invested in humanity. And like, like yeah, his whole role safe. in Skull Island is like the guardian of this island that is an entrance into the Hollow Earth. Like he kind of keeps that stuff at bay. But like, but in Godzilla, the credits, Godzilla's a friend to roar. the people. He fixed the environment. That's true, but like, kind of as a side effect, no. They had to, like, trick him into And helping. also, like, by killing so much <laughs> yeah. of humanity, too. Like, <laughs> like, Kong, he only attacks the helicopters because they're yeah. attacking him. I obviously am going for Kong because I have a soul. <laughs> um, okay. He's my boy. I don't care about Godzilla. But, realistically, I think probably they're going to team up, and probably Godzilla is going to make it out of this movie, and Kong is not. I think Kong is probably going to die defending humanity like he does so often. And Godzilla's gonna live to live to make Close another movie. Beauty that killed the or beast. Maybe he wins. You think he's gonna win it all? Is that your bet? There is another theory that you know Godzilla is king of the monsters. Kong has only been called Kong throughout the whole series. He beats Godzilla. He becomes the new king of the monsters. He is King Ooh. Kong. I would like to see a genuine showdown, but they're gonna pull that that old Hollywood magic on us, and it's gonna be I. Granted, if they do pull off, like, any kind of mecha uh, monster, that'll probably, that'll satisfy. But there's just no real matchup in my mind between Godzilla and Kong. He, It's Godzilla. He is, he's a radioactive, like, lizard god beast. He's, he's, he's bigger and better. I don't know. Let's go ahead and move into our pop culture reference. 
which is connected to these films. Weird. That, <laughs> weird that, isn't that a weird coincidence? What a mystery. For today's pop culture reference, we're going to be talking about the term kaiju, which is a Japanese word meaning strange beast, but kaiju films are this monster movie genre that we're talking about today, about giant monsters on rampages that usually have some kind of um, metaphorical resonance, so obviously Godzilla is the most famous kaiju, and really the first kaiju film ever from 1954, who is a metaphor for nuclear weapons, but you see a lot of different kaiju kind of representing different things, and I think that's really smart that Kong, Skull Island, takes Kong and turns him kind of into this Vietnam War allegory. Kaiju, the word itself, predates these films, but it, the idea of a kaiju monster from, from folklore really popped up only with the creation of Godzilla. And of course, the Western influence on that, turning it into something like King Kong or Cloverfield... Pacific Rim 2 Uprising. Which, honestly, I want to see those movies. I know I touched on it before, but those look like a lot of fun. And, I mean, you even have, like, I mean, Attack on oh, Titan. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. That's I would kinda say so. Kaiju. There's some pretty horrifying big boys in there. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's really the long and short of it. There's the company uh, Toho, the Japanese company Toho, and they are responsible for the creation of Godzilla and a lot of these other kaiju and even coining the the term kaiju film i believe they're the the rubber suit guys toho also has its fingers in like studio ghibli and akira kurosawa and like all kinds of stuff but you know they're mostly famous for godzilla so yeah that's just a that's just a really brief history of kaijus and and what their deal is and if you if you like kaijus and you want to see more in two weeks Godzilla vs. Kong is dropping on HBO Max in theaters, and we are talking about it on this very show. So I'm excited to talk more about a giant monkey punching a giant. That lizard, really is you know? the essence of of kaiju, just two giant versions of monster animals fighting, and that's there's something really pure in that to me, and that's why I love it. Pop 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 quiz. All right, last week Ricardo thwarted Seamus's comeback streak, so Ricardo's up. To, at eight points, Seamus is down to six, so it's Seamus's turn to choose our category, and his options are, fitting with our episode, either Kong Skull Island or Godzilla King of the Monsters. Ooh, okay. I think I know. I think I know more about Godzilla, so I'm gonna go Godzilla King of the Monsters. So you guys know the rules. The first one of you to give me the correct answer gets the point. If you either say it at the same time or neither of you know the answer, we move on to the, our other category as the tiebreaker question. Alright, our category is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. One of the main actors from the film, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, already appeared as a different character in a vocal cameo in a MonsterVerse film. Which actor and film was it? Is it Tom Thomas Middleditch? Middleditch. I kind of said that before we were talking about it, but in uh, Kong, he was a radio voice. Yeah, you guys said at the same time, uh, Thomas Middleditch played Jerry, who gets Brie Larson's character, Weaver, the job covering the expedition to Skull Island in Kong Skull Island. <laughs> I feel like I said it first, but whatever. I mean, it was at the same time in my head, and I also said it in the segment earlier, so... And that it, is why yeah, you it, fail. <laughs> I gave you that earlier, I screwed myself. So, yeah, I, I, when you said that, Seamus, I was like, no! <laughs> I spotted his name in the credits. But, okay, now it's time for uh, our tiebreaker question. Kong Skull Island. Here we go. In the film, Hank Marlowe, played by John C. Riley, wears an aviator jacket with the quote, Good for your health, bad for your education. What classic anime property is this a reference to? Evangelion? God. Is it... Like, Speed Racer? I think I'm gonna call it... I'm really surprised either of you got it, to be honest. Well, it sounds so familiar. Um, what is it from? It's a reference to Akira. Oh! In Akira, Kaneda's jacket says a similar slogan on the back. It says, good for health, bad for education. So... Well, damn, I told you that's a cool little reference. There is so much anime in Kong Skull Island. It's crazy. I mean... Like... And now they're making that Skull Island anime. Oh, yeah. It's all it's, full circle. Everything is cyclical when it comes to Godzilla. Oh, you think we'll get? Well, you think we'll get Gunpei and 
Marlowe oh, in the anime. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate payoff is them getting like standalone episodes of that anime. Well, boys, um, you you both knew one of them, ah. and you both didn't know one of them, and so there is our there is our tie. Nobody gets any points this week, but I, I would give you both points, it, but it wouldn't do anything. So <laughs> one day we'll really sit down and figure out what these points are for. But for now, I just want them. I want as many of them <laughs> as I can get. Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Either of you guys locked and loaded? Yeah, I've been struggling between two, but I think I've got one. It's kind of an anti. <laughs> it's kind of an anti rec center in a way, but. You gotta just tell us right off the bat, right. Seamus. What's going on there? Uh, when the premiere of Godzilla King of Monsters uh, was coming around, me and Ricardo, we made sure we got uh, an IMAX screening. I still have my collectible IMAX ticket for that movie, and I had never seen a Godzilla movie before, and I really wanted to do my due diligence, and you guys know what it is. Matthew Broderick, 1999, Godzilla. <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen. It was, like, truly horrific in just the writing, the shooting. They made Godzilla, like, literally a radiated iguana, I think. It was, like, the stupidest... It, ah, it was wild. It's a wild ride. It's This is my rec center almost in the same vein as my Fifty Shades of Grey rec center of just like watch it for the bizarre nature of what it is to get the weird you know pop culture i don't know how many people are referencing the matthew project godzilla but it's worth it just to just just to experience truly it's part of godzilla history too i mean i watched the original one as well before i saw this new one and it was worth it but this one is truly just like if you want a good stupid time this is the one to go to very nice. <laughs> yeah, you should be scolding me, I think, if you watch this movie on my word. Ricardo, do you have something less insufferable? <laughs> well, I don't I don't have a movie. I I've got I've got a man. Mr. John Swartzwelder. Have we done this before? Has anyone ever recommended a man? No. I don't I don't know what you Could you say that about, name again? I'm talking I'm talking about John Swartzwelder. Former Simpsons writer, I bring this up because there's a specific thing about him. He's written some of the best episodes of The Simpsons and did it at such a frequency that people refuse to believe he existed. Like, he's super reclusive. He doesn't want to be in any interviews or, like, staff photos. He's appeared in exactly one. But if you want a full list of every episode he's written, it's on his Wikipedia as you look through it, like, oh yeah, they were right. It's banger after banger. It really. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. So your your rec center is to fall down the rabbit hole of this man. I kind of love that. I mean, like, or you know, if you just watch his episodes, the whole list is on his Wikipedia. Just, uh, watch his appreciate episodes. Appreciate this amazing. man as a writer and comedian. I just thought that story was really cool. Just the man that was so good. People thought it was a pseudonym for like a team of writers, <laughs> except it was just this one man. You can follow him on Twitter. <laughs> this recluse has a Twitter. So that's a, that's a fascinating little thing that you've shared with us, Ricardo. Thank you. Garrett, what do you got for the rec center this week? You know, Seamus, as you would say, I'm going tray for tray with oh, video games. Oh, interesting. The PS5 free game this month, Maquette, which is actually probably going to be kind of a controversial pick because I know a lot of people are not digging this game. But I saw the trailer when it first dropped like a year ago and i was hooked on it then and i was excited to see that it came to ps plus and i think it's for ps4 as well but i think you have to buy it it's not free with ps plus this month and it is just a fascinating puzzle game where you're in this recursive world where you're in like this dome where there's a maquette, like a small version of the dome that you're in, in the middle of the dome, and then in that dome there's a smaller version of the dome, and so on. And so when you move around the small objects in the dome, in the in the miniature, they move around outside as well, and so it's a puzzle game. Some of it's a little clunky, I will say some of the, the, some of the puzzles I had to look up, not necessarily because they were too hard, but because they were too unintuitive, and some of them don't always, um, line up exactly with what they've established the rules of the puzzle are so far, but I think it's a fantastic idea 
with a really cool execution with an art style I really dig. It's got Bryce Dallas Howard and her real-life husband are the voices of the two lead characters whose relationship you're kind of charting through a weird memory scape that the maquette is representing. It's trippy, but it's very, very cool. And I believe if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber and you don't have a PS5 yet, you can still go in on the app and claim the PS5 version to play when you get a PS5. Yeah, that's actually what I did, because I don't have a PS5 yet, but this game looks incredible, and I'm, I'm actually really glad you kind of put your personal stamp on this one, because it's it's waiting for me as soon as I get a PS5, and I... I love an indie first-person puzzle game with all my heart, so this seems to fall directly in line with what, I, what I'm really into. I like my video games trippy. Hopefully I'll get to play this one day if I ever get a PS5. Yeah, man. Seriously, log into the app on your phone so you can claim it for free while you still don't have a PS5, and that'll just be waiting for you when you get one. Does it have a platinum trophy, perchance? Oh, Seamus, you know I'm already well oh, on good, my good, way. Good, 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 good. The speedruns are insufferable. <laughs> It, it's, it's a little rough around the edges, but I really like the heart of what's there enough to still rec center it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Just from the screenshots, the art looks very, very fun. And like any good puzzle game, it completely changes the way you think about the world around you. And then when, when you're doing things in, in everyday life, you're like, you're like holding a pencil and then you're like setting it weird on your desk. Because <laughs> you're thinking now about you're thinking with portals. Yeah. Exactly. Literally exactly that. That wraps us up for this episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Reach us on Instagram at that same handle. Email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook. Next week, boys, get ready. Because not only is Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiering in a cruelly short amount of time after WandaVision, but so comes the Snyder Cut. Oh, God. <sighs> the days are finally arriving. Oh god, I'm not prepared. And then the week after that we're doing uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which I'm much more excited about, so... Bye.